Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Real Brave Live. Hello. Number what? 89. 89? Ho, ho. I'll be 89 when I pay off my mortgage. Today, we're going to talk about disco. This this little tiny genre of music that enraged and made a lot of people really happy. The music of the early 70s evolved from this rhythmic and social foundation of funk to make what a lot of music enthusiasts seem to think as crappy music. And we're going to talk about that today here on... Real Brave Live. Did you have the wah going? Oh, there it is. I, I thought this would be an interesting topic because you're a big f- funker. I'm a, I'm a, a gigantic I'm a funk head. I'm a funky guy. Funker. I like to funk. Um, hey, question for you. Yeah. Who wants the funk? I want I want the funk. We want the funk. <laughs> Do you we need the funk? We want the funk. Uh, <laughs> I don't need the funk. Gotta have the funk. I was in a, a funk band for a bit. Yeah. In the early 2000s. And uh, it didn't go over anywhere. Um. Well, the, by that point, Funk had died. Yeah. Yes. Uh, George Clinton would beg to differ. Well, George Clinton is actually going to be at. Uh, where is he going this year? He's on a. He's at a festival. He's still alive? I think he's at Riot Fest. Actually, I believe so. Yeah, he's also it, playing. I think Central Park. Maybe he's playing someplace around here. Good for uh, him. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere close to here. Um. This also arose out of the uh, our YouTube shorts. We did a. Um, There's some mild interest in our one of our shorts. About disco demolition night. Ever heard of that? No. Yes. 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 So I'm famous. a baseball fan. Are you a baseball? No, you're not. You're a baseball fan. Yes. I mean, I'm a fan. I just don't you follow just, it at all. How many home runs does Judge, does Judge have right now? Sixty. Very good. Yeah. Very good. You're not allowed to talk about baseball anymore. He has less than Pete Alonso right now. That's all I know. Pete Alonso has how many? Twenty. Well, look about, at you. Pete Alonso is a good ball player. What about Mark McGuire, though? Mark McGuire did a lot of drugs to oh. get himself big. So, uh, how about that Sammy Sosa guy? Yep. Same. Wow. And um, he has vitiligo. Oh. Have you seen pictures of uh, Sammy Sosa? No, I have not. You should do that right now. <laughs> is that where he his skin loses pigmentation? Should I do a live reaction shot? Yeah. Okay, hang on. Let me yeah, you got to see pictures of Sammy Sam- Sosa. Sammy Sosa, a friend of the show. <laughs> Right. Sammy, if you're watching, right. please comment. I'm looking Sammy Sosa 2023. Hang on. Sammy Sosa, uh, famously a baseball player in the oh 90s. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Not what I expected. Yeah. What yeah. a reaction shot from our producer, Brian. Everybody's trying to figure out if he uh, was a disco artist. He's not. Um, but So I'd like to talk about Disco Demolition Night. I'd like to talk about funk uh, but mo- most importantly, I'd like to get your opinion because it means a lot, Kevin, on disco. Uh, so I th- disco generally is unoffensive to me. Okay. I really like the Bee Gees. Um, I think there's a really fine fine line between funk and disco, and I think that line can be drawn by uh, a string section. So that's really the thing. It's a string section with a downbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like if you the, the foundations are funk within many of the songs, except yeah. for the Bee Gees. Yeah, well, I mean, um, funk you, you hear in the rhythm section, drums and bass a little bit more syncopation. Uh huh. Um, disco is a little bit more straight ahead, easier one would argue to dance to. 
um, because it, you just get really solid four on the floor. Yeah, you know, four on the floor kind of stuff. Whereas funk is it's a little bit more. There's a little bit more complexity rhythmically. Um, it doesn't um, stray too far from that, but it's. Uh, I mean, you still have like the hallmark of wah guitar. Yeah, how, what is that thing you got there? So this uh, down here at my feet, uh, which none of you viewers at home can see. Oh uh, wait, if I move my head, the wide shot can get it. Oh, so this guy down here. It's called a wah pedal, and what it does is it goes wah. There's a little there's a little guy in it. Wah. There's a little guy in there pulling levers, and and he takes the sound of the guitar and he listens to it and he translates it and he and he says wah. <laughs> you know what his name is? Uh, wah. Wally. Um, that's it. There it is. Um, it, what it does is so it uh, limits um, on both ends the 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 bottom end and the top end depending on where your foot is in position on the pedal. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If it's leaned back on the pedal, then it's limiting the high end treble sounds, and you get more of like a not even not a bassier tone, but it it just cuts out those trebles. And then on the other end, it cuts out the low end, right? So. It's a filter. It's a filter. Thank you. Yes, that's what it does. And, and it's it, a wah filter. It filters um, out the uh, high, high and low, low end. Filters, yes. Actually. Thank you. Uh, famous wah pedal riffs. Please. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or. Uh, Is that disco? That's not disco. What's that? That's rock. Yeah. So what's the difference between rock and disco? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Dan. So, you have a canned answer for me? While <laughs> rock was a uh, countercultural movement, rebellion, and anti-establishment sentiments associated with social and political activism reflecting the era's social changes and influence on fashion, lifestyles, and idea of the rock star as an iconoclastic figure, disco... <laughs> are you not reading that, are you? I sh- No. It's resistance from rock-oriented radio stations, DJs, and some music critics. Accusations of being manufactured, lacking artistic merit, and promoting superficiality. May I? May I butt in here for a second? Uh, you can butt in. Please, God. Okay. I take big issue with that. Oh. Because. What did I say? Uh, not what. Not you said. Whoever wrote the notes that we are using. Right. Uh, whatever. Whatever. What was this? What is this? Forbes. Damn. Oh, that's a family name. Did you go? To, did you go to Forbes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Business that, Insider. Um, no, uh, it was a movement that was primarily um, run by and for minorities. It was black, Hispanic, and queer people making yes. that music. There is and a portion so, of that in here. And so the, the, the white mainstream press saw it as a uh, – used, used disco as a uh, something to villainize – Groups of people, not just the music, and so I'm not saying that you were doing that, obviously. But I think that that, that, that looking at disco as a um, <laughs> are you calling me unwoke? No, I'm not. Calling <laughs> me unwoke. But I, I think that looking at disco as something that without artistic merit is has some. Uh, there's 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 roots in like bigotry and yes, and fear, yeah, exactly. of course. Disco started as a mixture of music from uh, venues popular with the LGBTQ Americans prior to that acronym, right. Uh, apparently Italian Americans, Hispanic and Latino Americans and black Americans in Philadelphia, New York City during the late 1960s and early 70s. 
It could be seen as reaction from the 1960s counterculture. That's what you were trying to get at before. Yes. The dominance of rock music and the uh, the stigma of dance music at the time. I mean, you can look at it like if if music uh, music to me is more of a web than a tree, but you can look at like the the split if you were looking at it like a tree, like, you know, rock came from what? It came from the blues, which came from like early America, a culmination of western uh, European harmonies and African rhythms yes. in the in the way of uh, slave song and field song and uh, African American uh, spirituals, spirituals. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where rock um, emerged from is from the the blues the blues split into rock and roll and country right and whereas rock and roll was more like black urban country was more like white rural yeah. right so as rock developed we started to get into wah and we started to get into funk and so there was like another divergence there rock and funk and um george clinton parliament funkadelic um was like right in the middle of those two right um but like james brown really took it funk and and funk went more r&b urban black than than rock did um but then funk split and then you got like mainline funk and then disco, right? So disco is, it comes from funk, which comes from rock, which comes from blues. But if you follow those trajectories, you find, you know, rock continued on into what we know today. Like, you know, it went uh, classic rock, metal, hair metal, and then got crushed by grunge and then alternative and then uh, somehow Imagine Dragons. And then funk uh, disco became dance music, became your Madonna, became just pop. You know, it was something that was. I mean, there's there's a little bit of merit to that. It was. It presented a marked departure from guitar-driven uh, political exp- you know, expression. Right, and it leaned more into marketability and. Um, well, free. It was like a free. Sp- not only just a free spirit, but it was an expression of joy and escape from all the nonsense that sure. people were going through during that time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mainlining, yeah, uh, that's where the two separate different drug cultures came in. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you like that, right? Yeah, it's I'm good. really I'm getting good at those. That's <laughs> <laughs> these are uh, this is Dan's dark days, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if this was a VH1 documentary, <laughs> speaking of mainlining, this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, drugs played you know obviously a, a huge role in a lot of different. For, for both sides, it was, it was different. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, different. the disco eventually became synonymous with, uh, uh, what is it, Studio 54 yep. and cocaine. The cane? Cocaine. The hurricanes. Cocaine, which is a uh, drug derived from the coca leaf. Sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Do you know what the first songs, disco songs were in the early 70s? So I've done a little bit of research on this, and I can't get a, uh, an obvious answer. I think it's probably hard to come up with like what the first one is. Well, successful. First successful one? I don't, yeah, know, yeah. I don't know. Uh, first song's Soul Mikasa. M-A-K-O-S-S-A. Is the first discotheque record. Discotheque meaning that's the place where this is... Right. You're, you're kind of dancing at. It, it came out of like the... World War Two era where people were going to go, we're going to go to the discotheque, see? We're going to have some cigarettes and some whiskey, see? And you're going to come with me, see? And we're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that's it. That, 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 that commercial on YouTube is truly the first disco track. <laughs> oh, this is a ad from UPS, and I just want to just say... I just want to say real quick to uh, all of our fans, because we're very influential. We have uh, dozens of followers now. At least. UPS is the worst uh, 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 way to ship any item. Yeah, well, if you get sucked into the Ponzi scheme of insurance. Oh, I'm so glad I got the insurance because they bro- broke both of our packages. We'll get we'll recruit money from one of them yeah. because we didn't immediately throw away the box that was crushed. <laughs> We're standing in the airport, and I call to, to to find out the status of our delivery, which is late. And I'm standing there like this. Kevin doesn't hear anything, and all of a sudden, you hear me say, "So, <laughs> what did I say?" So, so when you say crushed, <laughs> well, I was like, man, yeah. And then it's just a picture. He sends, "Yeah, I'm gonna send you a picture." It's just like. But inside it was okay, except for the lights. The lights are a little rough. So we have stage lights, and uh, yeah, they broke. Yeah, I mean the lights work, but like the 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 casing, the body of it. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, so Sol Mikasa. It's got that funk thing going like on. Yeah, I I would just to my ear, this sounds funkier yeah. than than disco yeah. ear. But generally, Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation is considered to be the first true disco hit. Don't rock the boat, baby. Don't rock rock the, boat. the boat. I mean, yeah, I would call that funk. I, wait, before we move on to Rock the Boat, is there... It's got to be strings. That's what defines it. There it is. Ah, uh, that That's horns. Those are, those are funk stings. And that's all syncopated. I mean, come on. That's generally that's the Rock of the Boat by the Hughes Corporation is considered to be the first true disco hit. The Hughes, oh boy, rock. the Hughes Corporation. It's it's the it's very famous. Yeah. Boat. Tip the boat over. Tip the boat over. Sink the Titanic. Oh, I thought it was H U G H E S, like Langston. But it's like hue, like color. H U E. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have hold music. Oh, there we go. I don't know if we can hear this at home. We can't. No, we can't, and that's a good thing, legally speaking. It's like right to nowhere. Yeah. Ever, I, don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. It's, it's interesting because this, to me, does not sound like funk at all. I mean, I, obviously there are elements that are the same, but it doesn't really sound like funk, right? Like that last song sounded like a funk track. Yeah. This doesn't really – this sounds much more like like sort of AM so, radio. So we could talk about also um, funk having a closer route to the blues, uh, tonally speaking, right? The last one we listened to was – which a G dominant nine, right? And that gives us – as the uh, the 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 content of like what key we're in, which G blues. This is a nice happy E flat major. Don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Rock the boat. And then, you know, it's it's a little bit more conventional. 
uh, diatonic harmony. Yeah, right, right. Thanks for that analysis, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for that analysis. But you could say that that is a more of a characteristic of disco is that it's, I mean, not always in a major key, but like in a diatonic key, major or minor, whereas funk leans very more heavily on the blues, which is like neither this nor that. Right. You know? Yeah. We could say that that's a blues lick right there, and that's yeah. minor third, major third, right? Well, the uh, emergence of disco, rock versus disco in the '70s, didn't have much impact on the on sales for rock artists because of the top ten artists that were in that sold the most records. ABBA came in at number six. Okay, and the rest of them are just rock. I mean, they're rock records. And I don't know if I'd necessarily call ABBA disco. There's obviously disco elements to ABBA. Bee Gees. I'm sorry, the Bee Gees oh, too. Bee Gees okay. at number nine. Okay. I would say I would argue that Abba's very <laughs> disco-y. How, how, they are like well, listen to like there's a lot of Abba songs that aren't disco songs. Listen to like Waterloo, that's not a disco song in the slightest. Or um, I mean, like Dancing Queen, obviously, is a big disco song. But uh, I don't know. I, th- I I think maybe what I'm trying to say is maybe they transcend disco. Maybe they're not like just a disco band. They're bigger than a disco band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know they uh, they've got their feet in multiple right? uh, like the camps. Bee Gees, I mean the Bee Gees too. My favorite Bee Gees songs are from like the '60s. They're, okay. they're before they went. And ha, 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 yeah. Ha. I'm more of like uh, to love somebody. That's a great song. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I don't understand how the the perceived shallowness of disco is something that like actually stuck. Because musicianship, it's terrific. If you, uh, if you compare that against some of the 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 hip hop that's out today, that's been made in like a uh, on a, lab. a laptop, <laughs> a laptop. It's like bing 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 bing. Well, so like a lot of where you know hip hop is today came from. Well, where it came from is sampling funk tracks, right? So like funk split off into disco and hip hop. You know, mm-hmm. um, where it is today, it's yeah, it's a little bit more electronic. Uh, beats are made. Um, kind of like in mass <laughs> and people can just buy beats and use them you know what i mean yeah the yeah where we're going in, in as far as music creation is concerned nobody knows um but let me Here's one. hit this did you get to see our our youtube short on disco demolition day no you're not following it i am following it how dare you? Look very hard <laughs> on it. Uh, other songs: George McRae, "Rock Your Baby," was a massive international hit. That was another another song you can argue as one of the first. Wait, what is Demolition Day? So uh, uh, in I think it's 1979. Uh, yeah, so it was um, a whenever it was a DJ in Chicago that was a prominent rock DJ had organized disco demolition night between two games of a White Sox doubleheader and he was collecting disco records on the field and blew them up wow and, um, blew up the, blew it up so badly they had to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader because the field was unusable yes. sure they used way too much explosives disco demolition was uh, Thursday July 12 1979 at the old Comiskey Park that ended in a riot too and that's um so that was like, were, was rock declaring war on disco? Yes, is that is yeah. that what that was? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Many had come to see the explosion rather than the games and rushed onto the field after the detonation. Um, There's really uh, 
Ramiro got video of it. Really? Yeah, I'm oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure we're able to use it. There might be a, a thirty for thirty. There, there's a documentary out there about this event. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, the guy that owned the Chicago White Sox was Looney Tunes. Yes, he was a weirdo. He did all sorts of crazy stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen the Chicago White Sox um, uniforms from that era when they had collars. Yeah, shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a baseball fan, you'd appreciate it, uh, Kevin. I'm sure you appreciate it very much. What was uh? Didn't the White Sox do a free beer night or or the five cent beer night? Probably that got probably and it just got like overrun. They didn't have enough police and people just went crazy. Well, that's essentially this going demolition night too. They didn't have enough security there and it just turned into a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I'm never w- listening to. So that aside, so listening to disco personally reminds me of a bar at four o'clock in the morning and I want to go home. Huh. That's what it reminds me. So you weren't there in the the prime days. (laughs) Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as Margaritaville comes on, it's time to go home. That's uh, That's a good good rule to live by. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got to go. Can I pull that out like family barbecues too? Yes. Yes. We. Uh, I was at a bachelor party recently. We went to a restaurant and um, we walked in and we heard somebody playing guitar and we we're like, Ugh. and then they started playing Margaritaville and we we're like, ah. <laughs> uh. The man made millions, hundreds of tens of millions. Well, yeah, he's built an millions. empire off of that song. Yes. Yeah. Now he has retirement homes called Margaritaville. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I just find I, what I didn't understand to be like one of the things that was going to come out of this little bit of research I did was the involvement or like the the marginalized communities that were involved in the disco movement, such as, um, you know, gay folks from the 70s. But uh, village people, right? Yeah. Were they all gay? I, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Brian? I don't know. Brian, tell us if they were gay or not. <laughs> I'll, I'll do some research. Okay, you guys thank keep you. talking. I'll do some research. Thank you. Um, just tread lightly on Google image search. That's <laughs> all I would say. <laughs> uh, my phone isn't infected by other things already. Come so on. the um, oh man, I wrote a paper on this on the village people on disco. You did? Yeah. And you were so against us going on stage to talk about this? No, I wasn't against it at all. Um, did did you do a part of your paper, which is what I want to know? It was about it was the marginalized about, communities. Yes, really. So the the course was called Rock Music Diversity and Justice, okay. and it co- it covered popular music from like the forties. Yes, on. and uh, there was like a whole chapter on disco and um, the effect that it had on the gay community, uh, and how YMCA's were like a place where gays would go. Yeah. Um, I, I think <laughs> treading lightly again. Uh, disco. Because I couldn't find much on it. That's why I asked Brian. Assignment twelve. I'm not finding much on it either. I can't find it. That's what I mean. So like the the notion that 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 it was part of the countercultural cultural movement makes sense, but I can't find any research, or like I mean I can find some facts, but it's it's to say that it was based on that. The most famous people bes- uh, weren't uh, necessarily gay. I mean, the the lead singer of the Village Village People was married to Felicia Rashad. 
Oh. So <laughs> at least at least one member of the village people was not gay. Right. Was he the uh, construction worker? No, he was the um, police officer. Was, I believe he was the police officer. <laughs> he was the police officer. Yeah. Hey guys, no, sorry, you, sorry, sorry. What's our shtick gonna be? He was the naval officer or police officer. He they would go back and forth. Oh, okay. Was, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. Now does that um, does that violate the Stolen Valor Act, where one cannot dress up as uh, a uh, law enforcement or armed service member? Because uh, I, uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I can't believe you're asking me this question. Yep. Uh, seriously, I believe as long as it's on stage, you're okay. <laughs> Like it's, it's a crazy question to be asked. <laughs> of all the things that I'd be asked in the podcast, do, do the village people violate the, the stolen valor uh, principle or whatever? That's um, uh, well, I mean, because look, our armed service members and our. Uh, you know, our, our military members, they deserve... Uh, if, I'm sure it falls under some sort of gray area under the... <laughs> Any excuse to play that theme song? Your Honor, it's, it appears as though... <laughs> what? <laughs> Who is this character? I don't know. The lawyer from the 1950s. Cockney. Cockney. Oh, it's a, it's a 50s guy. Yeah. See? Uh, yeah. Listen, see? <laughs> Uh, a viewer, what, what do you think? Did the village people steal, uh, break the law by dressing up as uh, armed service members? I would <laughs> say that it falls into the same category as like if what? you were in a play and you were playing a police officer. Or if you were a stripper and you come to a bachelorette party. Was say, one of the guys that was in the village people a stripper? Uh, dressed, dressed as a stripper? Brian? I, I don't believe Brian? so. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so. Brian's the authority on the village people, having been to many shows... Um. <laughs> yeah, I Coming mean, soon from Real Brave, a disco remix of the uh, <laughs> Law and Order theme song. <laughs> I got Actually, nothing. there was um, there's a lot of cop shows that used funk music in there. Absolutely, like yeah. that's that was oh, a, yeah. a hallmark. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> I can't even. Uh, Matlock. Matlock was from the '80s, friend. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, um, than Columbo, possibly. Um, yeah. I've been watching a lot of 70s movies lately. I'm reading Quentin Tarantino's book, which is about all 70s movies. And all those movies that are like car chase movies all have some funk soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, just grungy. Gross. Everything looked dirty. It makes me feel better about living in New York City or around New York City. Because you look at some of those, like the early 70s clips. I wanted nothing to do with that. I want nothing to and do with that. And then who came up and, and cleaned up the city? Was that... uh one Rudolph Giuliani. That was Giuliani. Yeah, Mr. Giuliani. And then he went crazy. Yeah, now he's melting. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly melting. Friend of the show. So. Big friend of the show. Thanks for your well. support, Rudy. So the conclusion of this, folks... Oh. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me ask you a yes. question here. So I think with some genres that go through these brief spells of popularity... Yeah. They sort of disappear right after a while, but their influence, I think, carries on through other music. Do you hear disco on radio on the radio today? Like, do you hear the influence of disco still working its way through pop music, or has it somewhat dissipated? Obviously, for a while there, you were. I mean, the Rolling Stones, Kiss, all these rock bands, Rod Stewart had disco hits. Oh right? yeah. But, but after that, like, are you still hearing the the echoes of disco in modern music? Yes, because it made a comeback uh, recently. Uh, Bruno Mars, I feel like, has yeah. some disco elements. Um, uh, Gaga, his, his new side project with uh, what's his name, Lady Gaga for sure. Yeah, Lady Goo Goo Gaga. Goo Goo Gaga. 
with friend, one of my friends, friend of the show, friend of the Gugu show. Gaga. Thanks for watching. New, New Jersey native. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I might just be confused because she was on The Sopranos. I might, might just be confusing. Uh, she's definitely a New Yorker. Okay. I think. Well, she was on The Sopranos, so she's an honorary New Jersey. She's on The Sopranos. She was. They saw. They shot a scene from an episode of The Sopranos at my cousin's house. Wow. My mom met James Gandolfini. Oh, really? Yeah. That's my. That's that, my impression. That's your Gandolfini impression. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Carmela. I said no pulp. <laughs> I like when pulp. it has some pulp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it made it somewhat of a tw- like in the early twenty twenties, mid twenty twenties. Made like somewhat of a comeback with some of these artists, but I mean, I don't know. I, you can't redo that. Can't make it any better. It is what it is, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But the musicianship was good. Like you can't argue that their arranging and producing was was actually yeah. really good too. Yeah. Do I like it? No. But why would you? <laughs> do you like it? <laughs> nah, not really. Not really, right? Uh, oh, the Bee Gees, I, are very irritable. I brought my Great songwriters, though, right? Oh, amazing songwriters. But yes. the the songs, I mean, eh. I mean the 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 way that they came across. But I feel like disco kind of saw the proliferation of. That makes me very nervous. Songs being written. By people other than the performers, you know what I mean. What are we doing, Kevin? But that—I mean—that that was happening back in you know Tin Pan Alley in the fifties too. That's that's not. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Tin Pan Alley jazz standards songs that are written by but, non the performers. But yeah. even like in the sixties, you know, you look at people like Neil Diamond and um, uh, Carol King and you know Carol Bayer Sager, these songwriters that were writing hits for lots of people. Um. Yeah, but like a proliferation then after that and onward of like, okay, here's the pretty face we're going to put on this new record. And here's the team of songwriters. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, This is a bass guitar. Oh, what is a bass guitar? uh, It's like a big guitar. With thicker strings. How many strings does it have? Four strings. And what else does it do, Kevin? It goes... So there's different types of there's different ways to play a bass guitar. Yeah, I know it's really loud. But funk and disco saw yeah. slap a lot of slap bass. How do you do that slapping uh, thing? I don't know if you can see me right now, but you I can. hit the string with this part of my thumb, and I also pop it, pop it, smack it, flip it. You remember that game? Look at that. That's funk. That's funk. This is also funk. I never heard you play the the old slappy bass. Um, this would be like funk or disco. But then you have to have the strings above that. Yeah. Yeah. Um bass is a very rhythmic instrument you know even going back to like the stand-up bass of of jazz ensembles it's like it was on the one that was it (laughs) 
jungle boogie. Mm. Nice. Um, that was not jazz, but it was walking jazz bass. Mm. Two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. Really, really like locked in where the beat was, along with the drums. Hi hat on two and four. Yep. And as you know, music evolved, and as the instrument evolved, and people who played it evolved. You know, it became more so. Like I look at the bass as if it's like a, it's the middleman between, you know, the harmony and the rhythm. It's like a guitar with a drum set. You know, um, and when you get to funk, and you get to disco, it becomes such like a, a critical role in the ensemble. Um, the band Wolfpack. Uh, they are a current okay. band and funk revivalists to boot. Close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the uh, the bass player Joe Dart, incredible, incredible bass player. I saw him a couple of times now, and he's just like he's got such a. Uh, he's uh, one of those basses that plays like this, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of bass play like this, but yeah. like he, like you can, like he's gonna have neck problems because of like how right, aggressively right, right, right. he's playing along with. Uh, um, but oh, man, can that guy play? Do dot. So it's come full circle, even in the past couple of years. Uh, Dua Lipa, my goodness. Um, don't start now. But they brought in all these kind of like elements of the '70s era uh, disco. Lady Gaga, uh, Doja Cat. Yeah, Doja Cat. Doja Cat. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. Uh, what's what is your I, I this is my opinion, but what do you think is going to happen in the future? Do you think we're we're going to see a reemergence again of of the of the disco? Um, as long as people like to dance, yeah. Yep, probably. I think we're going to have an AI infused world. Oh sure. Where you're going to have uh, Donna Summer singing whatever it is, but just her voice over like something else that was created in the current day. And it's going to be just this amalgamation of different genres, hip hop and all that. It's just going to all come together to be this giant thing. But it's all going to be computers and no more human beings. The end. Uh, I believe that. Yeah. Sure. It's definitely, it would be cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> for producers to just have a. I mean, to be fair, like, with what you're saying, I don't disagree with you either. I think we're going to see some more stuff like that. But that was already happening with mashup culture. Mm -hmm. It was just taking humans to do it. Right, right. That's just, just eliminating the humans from the equation. But they're going to take it's it's a it's a step forward from the mixtape culture, which is going to be you're going to take the music that was done in the past, just like the thing I showed you with uh, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. You're going to take an existing song, you're going to put it on an, a new song, or maybe an existing song. You're going to smash them together. It's going to sound like a new thing because nobody's ever heard it before. And that's it. It's scary. I mean, to me, it's scary. You ever see the Arnold Schwarzenegger um, uh, Wizard of Oz thing? No. <laughs> they uh, what? They, they superimposed his face on Dorothy, and he was singing uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> really painful to look at. Like the rainbow. So painful to look yeah. at. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I don't know, man. Like... If music is a vehicle for human expression, then we lose something when AI starts doing it, for sure. Well, it's just a matter of time before man becomes machine. I would like to see AI write anything close to anything Radiohead is right. You know what I mean? And it probably could with, like, It's creep. going to. It's going to be better. Ah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know if it'll be better. It's going to be better. It'll be It's going to be created by people that know how to write code in the way that it, it learns. And that's when we get... 
that's when Terminator happens, and then the world is over. But do these people who write code also know how to know how to write music? Uh, they're probably all musicians. You think as so? We've seen. You think so? Yeah, our developers are all musicians. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they're all all of them. One's a fi- like he was like a really uh, successful traveling pianist, and then this other guy that does did the video room. He's a musician. Um, who was the pianist? Is that uh, the guy with the long hair looks like Dave Grohl. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, uh, Marty. Fl- Flarpy. Nope, not Marty. Flicky Muka. I don't. I don't know a Farp. Flicky. Yep. This is a great radio. <laughs> Mupa Barp. <laughs> His name is Lok. All right. Uh, I think that's all we got for today. Uh, what did we learn from today, Kevin? Uh. I don't know. <laughs> Something about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> disco is different from rock. And how to slap bass. Anyway, uh,. Real Brave is a music school online. You can, uh, if you like something like this, which you probably don't, uh, you can probably go online and uh, <laughs> check out Real Brave uh, for uh, wonderful online music instruction where you can learn disco and bass just like that from people that know how to do things. And um, this is just two, two or three or four guys in a room talking about music uh, and the only way we know how, which is dissecting it and getting the facts wrong. Um, join us every week, Wednesdays-ish at 1-ish, 2-ish p.m. Eastern uh, for more of this. And go to our YouTube. It's been catching on fire. We're going to hit 1,000 subscribers in a week and a half. Really? Yes. If it keeps going in the way it's going. We're at uh, 800 now. So it's about, uh, about uh, 150, 200 every week and a half. It's pretty good. That is good. Yeah, and we're getting people commenting, liking. Um, of course, when we get things wrong... That's my favorite. It's my favorite part. Uh, please join us every week. It's a pleasure to, to, to be with you in your home, sitting right next to you here on Real Brave Live.